Welcome to The Truth In This Art. I am your host, Rob Lee. Thanks for listening. Please continue to share, subscribe, and tell your friends about this podcast. Today, I have the privilege of being in conversation with a self-taught mixed media artist whose unique approach pushes the boundaries of traditional mosaics. Her art practice works to jump the gap between the literal and the imagined. Originally from the Philadelphia area and now is based in Washington, D.C., this artist has exhibited work for Latella Curatorial, Art of Noise, and Strathmore's Invitational Gallery. Please welcome Danny Green. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. I'm really excited to share the magic of mosaics. Yes. Black magic. I love it. Uh, I noticed all of the hand gestures I was making. I wanted to really be a conductor in that point. So yeah, we'll see. I like it. I also use my hands, but I feel like no one will know. No one will. No, no one will ever know. Like uh, I had a podcast earlier. Perch had a visual aid that they pulled out and I was like, no one's going to see this. They were like, oh, right. <laughs> no. So again, thank you for popping on. And before we get too deep into the conversation, I like to open it up with something that's either very invigorating for some or very terrifying for others. Can you tell us about you? What is the Danny Green story? Okay, so thinking of that, I, I, I need to ask you one small question is, are you asking for the Danielle story, which I feel like is everything from the beginning to like 2018? Then there's the Danny story, you know? I changed my name. <laughs> Oof. Uh, okay, that's a, that's a that's a that's a first. Um, let's let, okay, let's do like 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 chapter like ten of the Danielle story, right? Ooh, and then okay, yeah, okay, okay. let's do that bridging. That. Like that's the that's the uh, the the prequel, if you will, to the Danielle. Right. Yeah. If, if I wrote a book, which maybe if it gets more interesting, I will. Uh -huh. um, but basically, I'll start with high school. So I was in Pennsylvania. That's kind of where I grew up, the suburbs of Philadelphia. And I um, was kind of figuring myself out like a typical high schooler. And I had a lot of nerdy friends and like, I decided to join robotics because a lot of them were in it and they invited me to be in it. And we did, um, I was not a math and science person though. So of course I'm on the media team that worked for me. I did the filming, we had like a little vlogs and then I did the website. And then from there, I decided to go to American University and study film. Cause I was like, this fits what I'm interested in. I like this, let's continue it. This might be my thing. And so I go to American University I'm studying film. I end up going to Prague for film, oh, wow. which was a lot of fun. And I was around a lot of people who were like super in the film, a lot of Americans in my specific classes. But then I was in a school that had people from all over the world. And that was actually where I discovered that I don't think I'm a filmmaker. Unfortunately, I, I felt like I like it, but this is not me. And I had a minor of graphic design. And when I got back, I decided to like really lean into that and take more classes, get serious about it. And I was actually able to graduate early. So I decided that in that last semester, I made this deal with my parents. <laughs> I said, I'm going to spend this time um, getting an internship, doing my own thing, you know, doing my own, like, um, like learning how to do graphic design, watching more YouTube videos, because I had only had that minor on last minute yeah. and um yeah and i was also a barista so and hmm. then yeah i don't know i can keep going but more questions now 
But yeah, I mean, basically just to bring us to more present day, I couldn't find a job, unfortunately. Classic story of a graduate, new graduate. I went back home to Philly suburbs, like was still trying to like figure out graphic design, had a couple side jobs. I worked like at Perfect 21, had some internships. Um, and then finally I got a job back in DC. I come back, I'm excited. And then I move into a house with a bunch of artists. Hmm. So that's kind of where I started to get more excited about art. Cause I was always doing mosaics on a side and like other crafts, but it was always just like a, um, a hobby I would say at the time, but I would say it was even less than a hobby at the time because I wasn't as committed. I was probably making a mosaic every like two times a year at that yeah. point. So when I moved in the house, I remember a bunch of artists, they were like, let's do a show. We'll do a show at Colony Club, which is now something else, but it's on Georgia Avenue. Mm -hmm. And we rented upstairs. We had a little show. And I was like, I like this. I've never done an art show. I'm into this. So I decided to like actually kind of get into it and invest in materials for the first time, like actually spend, I don't know, I spent like a hundred dollars. I mean, yeah. I spent money on it and then that is kind of where it all took off. I also started my Instagram at the time because, and I didn't like push my Instagram, you know, my, my art Instagram. I just decided that would be a safe place where I could post a bunch of art stuff. That's like when it. Danny was birthed. <laughs> yeah, when I went from Robert to Rob Lee, I've been—I think I've been Rob Lee a lot longer than I've been Robert. If I'm being honest, uh, I think I think I spent the last 14 years being Rob Lee. And I hate to admit it, and I don't know if you can relate, but it's it's part of his branding. Part of it is a little bit of branding, but <laughs> no, that's that's legit. And I, I think with it, it's not uh, for me. It's having this notion of being on, but yeah, definitely branding, definitely branding is there. Um, would Rob Lee say this or would Robert say this? Uh, it's nice to have that separation in a way though. Um, yeah, 100%. Because I think that's why I started a new Instagram is I didn't want to, I was starting to post it on my regular Instagram, which, you know, it was just a regular person Instagram, you know, I'm posting uh, dinner at, I don't know, Fridays or whatever. Oh. And then, um, but I started this one cause I wanted to have a safe place where I didn't have to like, I could post things that maybe were ugly or like not cool. And cause I was taking a ton of pictures of my work at the time yeah. and not feel weird, not feel pressure. Like only like my friends or mom, like was following at that point. And what ended up happening is I actually like met a lot or started connecting with other mosaic people. So, what is it about mosaics that really like brought you in that really caught your attention initially? Cause you know, you can be anywhere in the art world, but you're here in mosaic. So, so tell me about that. I'm obsessed. I'm, I'm fully, I'm fully in two feet in, but basically, <laughs> so I'm from the Philly area. Mm -hmm. um, and when I was in high school, we had to do like a capstone project. And a lot of people decided to do like, I'm going to volunteer at a, some of my friends did like a cat, I don't know, adoption place or something, or basically community service or some kind of like thing. And I don't know, I was like, I'm going to make a mural for the school. <laughs> and I just felt like, so Philly is one of the mural capitals in 
the U.S. And I had just gone to Isaiah Zagar's Magic Gardens, which is in Philly. And it's basically a courtyard and a building covered in mirror and broken bottles and, and discarded um, like bicycle wheels and all these like found objects and like, but it's basically a mosaic because it's a lot of tile and, and mirror and glass. And I loved it. So I was like, I'm going to do that, but in my school and try to basically kind of like, um, I don't know, like um, basically put it out there as me trying to connect Philly culture, the Pennsylvania kind of history into my school. Mm. So that was my first mosaic, which was like four feet by eight feet. And I was just using broken bottles and mirror that I found and then like tile that I got from like a tile store in the area. So that's when it all first, first started. Dig it. So I read that you break things, you put them back together again in an attempt to establish the gap between the literal and the imagined. <laughs> uh, I wonder what sort of things you broke as a kid. Which sort of things oh, did you man. break as a child? That's a hard question because <laughs> I was that clumsy kid. I mean, I broke things. I broke myself. I spilled things. Like my mom always tells this funny story where I guess I decided I was going to roller skate in my apartment to serve people for dinner. <laughs> and I guess like at one point I'm going to the kitchen and they just hear a bunch of like <laughs> cracking, <laughs> breaking, and I'm like, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> But I, I, I mean, I think for me, like that phrase of like, I break things and put things back together really comes from me, like feeling like it puts together everything in my interests yeah. of like wanting to break down, you know, the film aspect, like breaking down clips and creating a narrative and breaking down, um, graphic design, which is like getting content and then breaking that down and then putting it back together to create something that's more readable and that communicates something like a message. And now I'm breaking glass. And, and so I think, you know, I've always been doing that in a way, you know, I, and, and, and one thing I will say that just came to me is that in high school, I actually took a random like elective that they had, which was 3D expression, which I was, I didn't even know what that meant, but basically at one project, like I think the first project, he had us go to a thrift store, buy a random object, which I think I just had one at home, like a VCR. And I decided to take it apart and then I made a shoe. So he had us take it apart and then make something new. Yeah. And I think I was just so amazed by that. I do feel like that stuck. So and, and, and I, I want to move forward on this question because I think it connects. So it's not about the best tools, the resources. And I found that your pieces, as you, you touched on uh, there, you know, it sometimes includes like found uh, materials. And I know for like podcasters, there are people who have terrible mics who do great podcasts and people who are terrible podcasters have like the best gear that money can buy. <laughs> So do you define your work, if you define it, do you define your work to be closer to alchemy or more so making something out of nothing? Oh, interesting. I mean, obviously, alchemy sounds way cooler. Like, That's a clearly an anime reference too, by the way. That feels like the right answer. But I think, I think for me, like, I, 
I just think like I started from found materials. Like I didn't have a lot of money. I didn't have the ability to buy things. So when I did have the ability after I got my first job, I feel like I was like, oh my God, like all these colors, like this is exciting. But then like, I, I realized that it was holding me back in a way. It was actually making my work worse because I wasn't, I didn't have the same boundaries and I could just go out and buy um, a sheet of red glass if I wanted that color. Whereas before I would kind of have to be creative and make do and be like, okay, what do I do? And I noticed that I actually, as I'm making, I'm working all over the board. I'm, mm. I'm, I'm moving around. I'm not having an idea that I'm moving linear. I'm putting a little bit here, putting a little bit there. And I did, I started doing that because I knew I might run out of certain colors or certain pieces. And so it was my way of kind of allowing myself to have that creativity and that spontaneity. So I think when you have these restrictions and sometimes you even need to put those restrictions on yourself, Mm. you are able to make something that's so much more interesting and push yourself in a way more interesting way than just like coming up with an idea and then making it. it. It makes the process more interesting. I like that you answered two questions in that, oh. that piece right there. So shout out to you. I like that. I like that. I definitely with the, I think when I feel like creatively stifled, I definitely tap back into that of, all right, let's take out questions. Let's just free jazz it as it were and improvise and do that whole thing. And that leads to kind of better conversations, richer conversations versus I'm going to ask this question now and da, 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 or even in the, the the materials that I'm using, like I might not have this microphone. I might use a lavalier mic. I might use a different mixer. I might record at a different venue and I'm trying to get sound. I'm trying to be a, a audio creative, but in a, in a different way, but that makes it more interesting. Like I'm coming in with this kind of nervous energy of, wow, I, I'm surprised I actually got this interview done. And in that way, you know, Right, right. I mean, I think it allows you to really, I don't know, like tap into that flow energy because you're really having to be present. Like you're you're being forced to to focus on what's happening and not just kind of like how you want things to go. I feel like with my art, like I, you know, there's always a vision. I don't think that's a bad thing to have a vision, but like, I don't know, that spontaneity is kind of sometimes where the magic happens. I think there's there's a place for both. It's like you have to keep pivoting. When you feel like things are getting stale, that's when you throw in some some chaos. <laughs> so let's peel back to Onion a little bit. Um, I, I hear that there are different secrets or different ideas that creatives, regardless of discipline, that they kind of share. Like, you know, I, I've heard that, you know, we're all afraid. You know, that's that's the thing. So what would you say is that kind of secret or that unifying trait between most creative people? I, I think that I just feel like creatives are those people who like see something or they go somewhere and they're they're They have this thought of like, I want to do that. Like, I'm going to do that. I'm going to go home and make that or I'm inspired. I'm going to incorporate that. And I think that sometimes people see art, especially abstract work. I hear that thing or that phrase where people say, oh, um, I'm going I could do that. You know, I could do that. But I think the artist, the creative person actually is like, I'm going to do it. You know, I, I'm actually going to do it. And I think 
that's kind of what happened with me and my mosaics. I saw Isaiah Zagars and it wasn't in a egotistical way, but more just like, I want to learn how to do that. I want to figure that out. I want to try that. That looks cool. And I feel like artists just don't stop doing that. Cause I think being creative is just inherently human. And it's just like, I don't know. It's like, it's like us artists. We just don't stop doing that. (laughs) Kids do it. That's, That's one of the things that I think kids using that as a question I ask on occasion of like, tapping back into that like childhood or that childlike creativity because you didn't have those parameters when you were a kid it was just like you were left to do whatever you were doing it's like yo batman is going to be green this day i'm going to do whatever (laughs) i want and as you get older you have either your own insecurities your own fears your own sense of accomplishment even some in some instances or even adults or even other kids saying that's stupid i don't like that and Mm -hmm. it just kind of compounds but i like to tap back into it you know, by, you know, having those kind of like childlike moments of I'm just going to do it and make it simple. Right. Where I'm going to talk to somebody that's interesting, like yourself, and that does interesting work like yourself and see if that sparks something in my head that maybe pops up in a later podcast. I may reference you in a later podcast, you know. So how do you tap back into some of that kind of childlike or that childhood sort of creativity and that inspiration that's there? I think that for me, like my whole process, I think in life is literally me just trying to be a younger version of me, trying to tap back into that magic I had then. I I think it's just a process of me aging down almost, or like taking what I, I mean, I am who I am, right? We've all aged, we know what we know, but just kind of return to that. And I, I, I think that when I was a child, it's not only me just being fearless, but I also think it's like, you just ask questions automatically, like what if, mm-hmm. and you don't, you don't automatically judge that question or like rethink that question. And it's me allowing myself to think those thoughts or have those feelings, not judge them immediately at least. And just understand, you know, my mind is a private place and my studio is a private place. And even though social media exists, I don't need to post everything I make. So sometimes I do, play in my studio right I just I don't know like right now I was messing with a little bit of like resin and bottles and broken things I'm thinking like deconstructed mosaic so I just threw some like um broken bottle into um resin and it hardens I pour more resin on top I pour more pieces and um it looks weird it looks like trash but I think it's interesting and I'm not going to judge it because I don't have to post it. Only I know. And I guess now, you know, and everyone listening. Yeah. Uh-huh. uh-huh. I, was, I was waiting for you to come to that conclusion. So thank you. Thank you for putting you out there. You can see it. <laughs> oh, no, no. We're, we're, we're not going to ask for it. I want to make sure that it's asked for. We need visual uh, reference <laughs> of it. It's fine. It's, it's fine. It's fine. Uh, so it's funny. Again, you've given me even more questions. I have like so many rapid fire. I don't questions. even know if I answered the question. I'm sorry. I think I lost the question. No, no, no. no. You're doing great. Because uh, you only have one real question left. Oh. And now you have like 10 rapid fire questions, though. Oh, no. Yeah. I hate to say it. Uh, <laughs> so uh, tell us about, and, and I did this backwards, but intentionally backwards. Mm. Tell us about 
the most exciting part of your process, um, of your creative process? I mean, I would imagine, yeah, brick and glass. I don't, I don't know what was the most exciting part of your process. See, I think that's what everyone thinks. And I, what has happened is it's become immune to me. And I only notice that when other people are in my studio or they're with me while I'm making and I'll break like a plate and they're very startled. And I'm like, right, right, right. That is normally an uncomfortable, scary moment when you've broken a bottle or you've broken a glass by dropping it. But for me, it's it's a Tuesday, you know, it's just a regular day. And I, I think for me, the most fun part I enjoy is literally gluing the glass. And I think it's because it's very meditative. I get in this flow and there's this part in the middle of making that's just so exciting when you're just gluing and you're just like, whoa. I don't know. I'm just responding very intuitively to the colors and the shapes and the pieces. And I don't know. Breaking is just not. I I think breaking for me is just the beginning part of the process. It's like I'm getting my materials. But I should invite other people. They're always like, oh, I, I want to come break things and be stressfully. I'm like, I don't know. Is this stressful even to break things? I think it causes people stress. <laughs> so, yeah, I want to I want to break things. I want to come to a place and just like, oh, let's, let's just see what, the, what we get. When I break things, it, it, it breaks in a certain array that makes it uniquely me. I mean, I, I'll say right. this. I had a um, I had a person that had been on a podcast. They were um, looking for portrait uh, setters or what have you. And I was like, yeah, once you do this painting of me, it's going to be your best selling piece. Is it? I, I, I don't know. I, she's she's working on it currently as we speak, but I like oh, to wow. I like to talk a little a little s on occasion. <laughs> I hope so. I, I I've always kind of thought about doing that, like making pieces inspired by other people. I've yeah. only done a few. One person is is dead, unfortunately, but I mean it's my it's something's old. But um, and the other person, is my sister, and I just feel like I'm nervous about doing more because I'm worried that they will have some kind of attachment. <laughs> Like what if it doesn't do well or it turns out bad? And then I'm like, look, it's nothing personal. Don't <laughs> experiment. There, there is a bit that a few people know of, and this will be maybe the first, maybe the second time I said this on air. I wanted to do a podcast in character as a really hoity-toity pretentious um, artist. I want to interview myself mm-hmm. and just do the dubbing. And one of my friends was like, you know, end up being your best downloaded episode. And you have to be in this character for forever. Yeah, on April Fool's. Like, just don't <laughs> That's what I was going to do. <laughs> That's a good idea. That's a good idea. It's just me, like, in black, wearing, like, an overcoat, tiny glasses, big scarf. It's be ridiculous. I like it. I, I think it could be interesting. That's a great reel. There you go. That would, that would be like what blows up on TikTok. And then you're like, none of the other podcasts are like that. <laughs> Literally, no one cares otherwise. Um, so with that, um, I want to thank you for all of the good stuff that we, we've talked about. Now it's time to indulge uh, these ridiculous rapid fire questions. These are all over the place. They're fun, though. I'm ready. I'm used to embarrassing myself. I was in robotics, you know. <laughs> See, that, that was one thing I wanted to mention. Um, I almost went into robotics, actually. I recommend it. It was a great choice. That was what I was interested in. And then I decided to go into uh, analytics instead of, uh, yeah, oh, I was going to go to University of Miami for robotics. Yeah. Wow. Well, I don't know what the university would be like, just the club, but. <laughs> I mean, I was just going to wear a lot of linen shirts. I'll just become a drug dealer. It's fine. It's, it's fine. Hey, hey, hey. Good drugs only, please. So. DC and Philadelphia, right? Those those are your your touch points, right? Uh, how do you define home? What's home for you? Oh, at this point, 
is DC. I mean, I know, I know that's like sacrilegious, but <laughs> I, I mean, if you ask me like, oh, where should I go in Philly? I don't know. I, I don't know if I'd have any advice. I mean, cause I left at, I guess 18, but like I went back for a little bit, but I don't know it at all. I still feel connected to it, but I feel like at the same time, I'm not, if I moved back to Philly, I would have some culture issues, I think, mm-hmm. because I, I dropped some things to be DC and then I'd have to come back. So you dropped it's a few jobs. A little, it's a little rough, you know, a few jobs. Oh, sorry. These are rapid fire. <laughs> I just feel like the Philly cheesesteaks are drying up because you said that. I'm so. <laughs> no, Philly is a great city. Yes. I'm, I'm, I'm working on a, a series of interviews up there currently. I'm back and okay. forth to Philly every two weeks for interviews. Yeah. I'm a big fan. I was just there this weekend. So I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan, but I don't fit in anymore. I'd have, I'd have to readjust. Uh, where are you more likely to get this? Is, this is rough. And I, and I think maybe it's more than purely breaking things. Right. And mm-hmm. kind of, so maybe in the, the idea portion of it, maybe in the, um, the writing down ideas, sort of, sort of piece of it, where are you more likely to get work done in a diner or cafe? Oh, um, wow. That's tricky. Mm-hmm. I, I think I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with the cafe only because caffeine is great. But yeah. <laughs> the honest truth is I like working solo, but that's like not an option. <laughs> How do you take your coffee? Black. Well, with sugar. Okay. Okay. I, I just sugar. I, I used to be a barista. So I used to do all the fun things, but to be honest, I just like regular drip coffee at the end, <laughs> at the end of the day. So I got three more questions. One yeah. of them is going to, one one might date you, right? One might be a good wow. way of dating you, but it's going to be really funny. I'm worried. Uh, so I'm going to ask the other ones first. What is a song that's on your Ratchet playlist? Everyone has a Ratchet playlist. I don't care what Ooh. anyone says. Everyone has a Ratchet playlist. I think it's just integrated. You know what I mean? And then you have to skip that song. You're like, uh-oh. <laughs> but <laughs> recently, I've just been obsessed with Bad Bunny. And then I found one of his older songs. So I've learned he's kind of like become more pop. Yeah. yeah, some other songs are a little more well, well, well. Okay. But he's fun. If you wrote an autobiography, what would the title be? Uh-oh. I have been asked this before. Uh-huh. But that was in like 2013. So I don't know. Would it be the same? But then it was, I have an idea because I always had a lot of ideas. <laughs> but I mean, these days, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it would be like... Um, Maybe my little catchphrase, you know, break things, put them back together. Okay. Hopefully one day I do. I don't know. I'm hoping things get more exciting. I mean, maybe this will be a chapter and maybe this interview will be a chapter in it. Who knows? Uh, now, this is the one. This is the tough one. There. So this is finish this lyric. Oh, no. I know. There are two songs that come to mind that uses this lyric. And it relates to your work. Okay. <laughs> Do I have to finish it correctly or I'm finishing it my way? Uh, I'll give you that. You can finish it your way. Oh. But if you can't think of who the, if you can't think of the rest of the lyric, you can name who said it. Right. Okay. That's going to okay. be harder. Broken glass everywhere. Wait, I know it. I know you know it. That's, that's the funny thing about it. 
Moonlight's everywhere. Danny, pick that up because you're going to fall down. I fell down once with that. Cut up my hands. But, um, no, broken glass everywhere. Move very slowly. I don't know. I'm going to do the more recent version of it. Actually, I have another one after this. Broken glass everywhere. If it ain't about the money puff, I just don't care. (laughs) Yeah. Uh huh. Uh I do like it. Little mace action there. You're asking the wrong person the memory question. I'm sorry. I, th- I thought it was. I thought it was very apt. Though. That was an apt question. I mean, I hope that's the case. I like that. Um, that is that is the lyric actually from I think can't nobody hold me down. I no. do know it. Dang it! I'm sorry. Uh, and I believe the original was the what is it? Uh, I don't know. Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five. I don't know. Uh, I'm an old person. I don't know what to tell you. Uh, this is this is this one is last 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 really stupid but it's last. Uh, what um, are you, crunchy or creamy peanut butter? Which one do you prefer? Creamy. I refuse. And no pulp. Okay, no pulp. We're on the same Sorry, page. I feel like they're in the same realm. Okay. I mean, look, I would eat the crunchy. As you should. I prefer, and I've been really into peanut butter lately. Studio snack of the now. I dig it. So with that, um, that's all I have. I want to thank you for being on this podcast. And I want to invite and, and encourage you to tell the fine folks about where to check your workout, where to check your website, uh, social media, all of that good stuff. And um, tell them about your pulp-free life. Thank you. I will. I should honestly tell more about my food preferences and scare people. They will judge me. But you can find me on Instagram is where it's the most like up-to-date stuff. Danny M. Green, D-A-N-Y-M-G-R-E-N. No E at the end. Don't get confused. Um, my website's just Danny Green, spelled the same way, you know, but with no M in the middle. And I think I might start working on my TikTok, but that's not a thing yet. So just be on the lookout. I am teaching a class at Shop May DC on the 23rd if you'd like to get a ticket. There's only five seats left. Well, there you have it, folks. I want to again thank Danny Green for coming on to the podcast and sharing her story with us and telling us about her work and the inspirations that are baked into it. And for Danny Green, I'm Rob Lee saying that there's art in and around your city. You just got to look for it. Oh, 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 oh,